Alright everyone, as always, I'm your host Maddie B, and welcome to today's episode of There's Too Much to Think. For this week's true crime case, I'm going to be talking about the Carrie babies. So before I get very much into it, um, or too far into it, I apologize for the grammatical error there, um, I want to mention that this does involve things such as infant mortality, and um, just like stillborn babies and so on. So if you aren't in the right headspace for that, by all means, just wait till next week's episode. And hopefully when I post on Monday about, you know, some like history behind a book or whatever, you'll be in a much better headspace. But I just wanted to give you that warning at the top just in case you weren't ready for it. Alright, so before we get very far into it again, I want to give you some background information, much like I gave you background information in the other true crime case that I covered, kind of just to get a feel of what Ireland was like during this time period, and how much of an impact it had on the women in the country. So, as I mentioned at the top, There will be infant mortality and stillborn mentions. Um, I will try my best not to get too graphic, but this case is about a lot of murdered babies. So, there's only so much I can do. Uh, Now, for those of you who have decided to stay, get as comfortable as you can because this case is a long and frustrating one. Believe me, it's fucking frustrating. So, let me set the scene. It's April 14th, 1984. It's a nice day in Kerry, Ireland. Everything is beautiful. The sun is shining. You're a farmer who's, who's simply jogging to go check up on your cows and do your daily chores. The cows are probably those really adorable Highland cows. If you haven't seen one, go look them up on Google. They are so cute, especially the calves. Um, because trust me, you're gonna need that, that boost of serotonin after this story. Oh my God. So regardless, back to the story, you then notice a plastic bag on the beach on your way to go check up on your cows and you decide to go see what's in the bag. That was a horrible idea. Inside, you find the body of a baby, not even three days old that had its neck broken and the baby had been stabbed 28 times. Four of those stab wounds had nearly pierced the heart. There. We got over that terrible hurdle and I believe that's about as graphic as I will get in regards to this baby's death in this episode, so no need to worry. 
Um, any hope of me actually waking up early enough to go on a jog before my classes has flown out the window. I want to make that very clear. I have heard way too many stories of people who have found bodies and stuff like in suitcases and other places when they go on walks. So I'm just, and it always happens to be like early morning. So my, my wisdom, my, my, my advice to you is to also not go jogging in the morning. Um, I just wanted to say that to lighten the mood, but honestly, I don't think you can. So why are you telling me this awful story? I hear you scream at me. Well, I'll tell you. You see, the baby's name uh, was John, or that was at least the name he was given after he was found. Um, his death was the catalyst for the feminist movement in Ireland and called into question how important childbirth and sex education is in schools. It is important to let you know that Ireland had just written in their constitution that abortion was illegal the year before in 1983. I wanted to make this clear that it was illegal beforehand, but they had written it into the constitution in 1983. At this point, the Catholic Church, Church had full control of Ireland, and because of that, people thought that being an unwed mother was worse than death. Don't ask me to make sense of it. This was the 80s. I don't understand why they still had that mindset, but they did. And I can't for the life of me figure out why. Um, there were, of course, places uh, set up to claim, um, set up claiming, sorry, that if you were an unwed pregnant woman, all you needed to do was call and they'd help you. Except they wouldn't. They'd hand you right over to the police when you would show up. Contraception was also illegal unless you were married, which, by the way, seems a bit backward to me. Because wouldn't you want the unwed pregnant women to have the contraception? I don't know. Um... It is because of this, though, that many unwed mothers who did, who couldn't care for their babies would find other ways to um, deal with them, as you would say, because naturally adoption was also frowned upon because that meant that you couldn't have children. Um, so we all know how Ireland viewed single mothers, but how did they view single fathers? Oh, well, they got help from the government because, you know, they're men. Just like how back in the day it was completely normal and almost expected for a man to cheat when he was in a relationship, but if a woman did, she was called all sorts of awful names. Or the fact that women had to remain virgins until their wedding night, but when it came to men, it didn't really matter. The utter hypocrisy. Um, Sarudi uh, Bala, I think is how you say her name, from the Red Handed Podcast says it best in regards to this double standard. Quote, No, you can't have a termination, but you also can't have a nice life either. Regarding this, many women would go to hospitals after giving birth and they would admit that there was a dead baby somewhere. The doctors would then ask the women to bring the babies in for biopsies and 
It was a dark truth that nearly every woman knew about. No one ever involved the police, not until the Carrie baby, which I think is just because of how brutally this baby was murdered. So, another thing I would like to mention is just how uh, invested the Irish government was in the bedroom lives of women that lived there. The Magdalene Laundries, as stated by History, were run history the um the news like the newspaper not history is in history were run by the catholic church as everything was back in the day they were quote-unquote staffed by unwed mothers women deemed too flirtatious women who had sex outside of marriage and so on even people who couldn't really have any control over what happened to them like girl like little girl orphans women with special needs women who were raped and girls that went, uh, that were sent over from mental health facilities. Originally, these women were supposed to quote unquote redeem themselves by doing patchwork and laundry for the short, for a short stint, with a couple of years at, at most, and a in all in complete silence. By the way, if they spoke, they were beaten. Over the years, however, because no one was teaching these women. And some have been in the laundry since the age of two years old. There really was nowhere for these poor women to go. They got their names taken away and were often referred to by numbers or at the very most uh, penitent or child. If you broke something, you would be starved and put outside in the cold. Remember, this is the 80s, not some Middle Ages story. Get this, the last Magdalene Laundry was closed in 1996. That's when Gen Z starts, you guys. That's that's the last year of, like, the millennial, the time you can be born as a millennial. This is very recent. I mean, that's what, like... 27 years ago like 30 at most it's ridiculous so huge trigger warning here this is where the number of babies will um, be mentioned and also there is a mention of a mass grave so in this article it states that one laundry named bon secures mother and baby home found 796 babies in the building septic tank and to this day, we still don't know why or what happened there. And at another laundry named the Sisters of Our Lady Charity, which I find ironic as fuck, there were over 155 bodies of the women who worked there buried in a mass grave with only 73 death certificates. It's estimated that about 10,000 women made their way through the laundries between the years 1922 and 1996, and 30,000 in total since the first one opened 231 years ago. To this day, we still don't know how many women didn't make it out. And now onto the investigation of the Carrie baby.
All right. Now, on to the investigation. You might hear some paper sounds. Enjoy the ASMR. I have a physical copy with me today. The Irish police, or the Gardaí, as they called it, treated this case as a murder investigation considering the brutality of the crime and the fact that the baby had indeed been born alive. Courtney, the superintendent of the police, called local hospitals and churches to see if there had been any young ladies who, according to the Red-Handed Podcast, this is a quote from him, and I hate this quote with every bit of my being because it just sounds wrong. Quote, had their wombs recently e- emptied, unquote. One of the hospitals gave up three names. Two of the names had been cleared pretty quickly. In walks in Joanne Hayes. Joanne had recently visited a pregnancy ward just a few hours uh, before the Carrie baby was found. She had no baby to show for how pregnant she had been just a day earlier. She instantly became Courtney's first suspect. I want to make this very clear. It was his only suspect. She was his only suspect. It didn't help Joanne's case socially when people found out that her baby's father was married to another woman. Granted, divorce was illegal in Ireland at this point, only becoming legal in 1996 but being with someone else that isn't the person you married was still frowned upon even if you were in an unhappy marriage joanne and jeremiah her boyfriend i suppose actually had a daughter before her stillborn and it was only three months after the daughter's birth that joanne was pregnant yet again Remember, Joanne and Jeremiah weren't married, so it was illegal to use contraception. And also, like, none of the pharmacies ever actually had it stocked. Like, there was, like, one, and you had to ship, and you had to show your marriage license. It is important to note that the doctor who examined Joanne did not believe she had or killed the Carrie baby. According to official records, when Joanne was asked what happened... She is quoted saying, I had the baby boy at home. I delivered the baby myself on the 12th of April, 1984. I panicked and hid it. The baby is dead. I buried it at home. When she asked to give a more detailed description later on of the night, this is what she had to say. Quote, On Thursday night, so the 12th of April, 1984, sometime around half 11 or 12 o'clock, I gave birth to a baby boy of six to seven months on my brother's farm. I delivered the baby myself with my own hands. I delivered the baby standing up. I panicked and then put the baby on some hay. She then went on to describe that she tried her best to get some sleep that night, and the following morning she put the baby in a paper bag and then in a plastic bag and buried it. Hold on to the fact that she had given birth standing up, because the way this comes into play in court is utterly fucking ridiculous. I'm sorry, but this case irritates the fuck out of me. So... The guardie are not pleased with her confession, to say the least, because it doesn't fit with their series of events. And instead of looking literally anywhere else and doing their own jobs, 
they told her that she, they had uh, that she had killed the Kerry baby and took it out to a beach in Kerry, Ireland. Keep in mind that Kerry was 50 miles from Abbeytown, where Joanne lived. After a series of threats to her family, Joanne evidently signed a different confession statement. One that stated that she was indeed the culprit and that her two older brothers had then driven out to carry and threw the baby into the sea. Even still, the guardy had found her baby. It was exactly where she said it would be, buried on her family farm. The baby had type O blood to match Joanne's and Jeremiah's blood type. The carry baby, however, had type A blood and in order for that to happen, at least one of the parents had to have type A blood as well. There you go. There's your little biology lesson for the day. I hope you learned it well. As you can imagine, the Gardee were not <laughs> pleased and they had to come up with a answer to this problem that would still fit their narrative because they did again, they didn't take this as a, oh, she's not the mother, oh, he's not the father, let's look somewhere else. They took it as something else. And so they decided that Joanne must have had t- twins through the incredibly w- rare phenomenon called, and bear with me here, heteropaternal uh, superfecundation. Superfecundation, yeah. That's about as close as I'm going to get. I'm sorry, guys. For those of you who don't know, like I didn't, it's when a woman gets pregnant from two different men in a 48-hour period. So instead of looking anywhere else and doing their jobs, yet again, the guardy decide that Joanne had released two eggs at once, which according to the article done by the guardian is so rare that only one in 13,000 cases match for this kind of thing to happen and most of those are fraternal twins so so joanne clearly had one baby with jeremiah and one with a mystery man who had type a blood right right of course so I just I just want to I just want to tell you let that sink in. Let that sink in, please. It's fucking ridiculous. So, Hannah McGuire from the Red-Handed podcast says it best in my opinion. Quote, "This is what happens when you don't have sex education in schools. This is exactly what happens. It's a group of adult men being like, well, maybe maybe this is completely possible." This ended up going to a tribunal, which is sort of like taking a case to court, but without any actual charges being pinned against anyone. And the whole purpose was to see if during the investigation, the guardy had treated, had mistreated Joanne or Joanne's family at all. The answer is yes. But, um, with Justice Kevin Lynch overseeing it, there were 15 legal people in the room. Actually, I should say there were 15 legal men in the room. There was not a single woman besides Joanne that was there. And it is also important to mention that no one there had ever witnessed a birth. No one had ever witnessed a birth there. I want that to be very clear, and I'm just going to bask in this 
bask in the silence for just a little bit longer. Alright. So. Remember when I said to hold on to how she ended up giving birth? Well, Justice Kevin Lynch decided that it was impossible to get birth standing up. Anyone who knows decent history knows that, and for those who don't know, according to the National Library of Medicine, one of the best ways to give birth to a baby is in the standing or crouching position because it kind of just lets gravity sort of help things out and move faster. And one of the worst ways to give birth is on your back. And according to an article done by Public Health Then and Now, written in 1987, King Louis XVII was a perverted king who liked to watch his wife's wives give birth, which is why the position was then changed to lying on your back so he could have an unobstructed view of what was going on. Can you imagine? As a woman, you're giving birth to this man's child. And you are in the most excruciating pain of your life. And he's over there in the corner jerking it. Like, I... I would be so fucking frustrated. I'd be like, we're done. We're done. I don't care if divorce doesn't exist. We're done. Um, so, regardless, again, this is why sex and reproduction education is important. Otherwise, you have judges in a court of law making an idiot out of themselves. And because of their lack of education, a woman might go to jail for something she didn't commit. The tribunal was to find out if the guardie had done anything wrong while investigating this case. But at every point that was brought up, it was a direct dig at Joanne. It came off like she was on trial. Joanne was questioned for five days overall. One of the longest, I think it might actually be the longest witness questioning in Irish history at this point. And asked over 2,000 questions many of which had nothing to do with this case. She was asked things that related, uh, that were relating to her first miscarriage, how many sexual partners she's had, the size of her uterus, uterus as well as many, many others. Joanne ended up having a full-on breakdown in court because of these questions, hyperventilating, vomiting, and shaking. Despite this, one psychiatrist I bet you can guess what the gender of that psychiatrist was. Said that Joanne, quote, did not display a degree of guilt at this stage. Not as much as I might have thought she'd had. Excuse me? What else do you want from this poor woman? She is hyperventilating. She is vomiting and she is shaking. And at this point, Justin Lentz then orders... Or not Justin, sorry. Justice Lynch then orders that she be sedated, so drugged, so that she could be, that, so that she could answer more questions, instead of I don't know, giving her a half hour to lay down, maybe a cup of coffee. Ugh, my God. Let me say this again. Joanne Hayes was not on trial at this tribunal. She had had the murder charges dropped back in October of 1984. 
The tribunal lasted 72 days, and I think it's one of the longest tribunals in Irish history. In the end, Justice Lynch said that Joanna Hayes had caused the death of her baby, even though there was no evidence of such a thing ever happening. And this was a tribunal, not a trial. They're two different things. They're two different things. And as a judge, you should know that. I can't. It's fucking ridiculous. Even to this day, I'm I'm like so angry. I don't know if you guys can tell. I need to calm down. Even to this day, we don't know who killed the Carrie baby. If they were a grieving mother who just couldn't raise a baby or if they were a murderer. This case was the revamped witch trials of the 1980s. This case showcases why it's important for sex and childbirth education to be in schools. We do not need a repeat of this case. And given the current state of the world and the government trying to get rid of abortion, I think this is important. So, yeah. And with on that happy note... I hope you all have a wonderful Friday. All right, and with that, that is the end of my Carrie Baby episode. Be sure to answer the question in the Spotify Q&A, so that way you can put whatever kind of true crime you want me to cover. Um, This is your host, Maddie B, and I am signing off. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye.